The best way to learn a language? Immersion. Living where the language is spoken and using it every day. But if that's not in the cards this year, you can still learn a language the second best way. And that's with Babbel. Be a better you in 2024 with Babbel, the science-backed language learning app that actually works. Don't pay hundreds of dollars for private tutors or waste hours on apps that don't really help you speak the language. Babbel's quick 10-minute lessons are handcrafted by over 200 language experts and help you start speaking a new language in as little as three weeks. Babbel's designed by real people for real conversations, and their tips and tools are approachable, accessible, rooted in real-life situations, and delivered with conversation-based teaching, so you're ready to practice what you've learned in the real world. Here's a special limited-time deal for our listeners. Right now, get up to 60% off your Babbel subscription at babbel.com slash bluewire. That's 60% off at babbel.com slash bluewire, spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash bluewire. Rules and restrictions apply. Welcome to Dugout Study Hall, a remedial course in baseball stats and proud member of the Pitcherless Podcast Network. I'm your host and expert layman, Matt Goodwin, and I am joined, as always, by your fake baseball economist, Stal Alexander Chase. On this episode, we will talk about some random baseball things on our minds, current FIP leaders and why that's fun but doesn't matter, and how to use or not use Fangraph's dollar value calculators in season. But before we get to all of that, Alexander, how you doing? You know, I am getting through it. Uh, it is not my best uh day it feel um i feel like uh, someone shot an arrow through my right eye um which they did that, not uh, my eyes are sounds fine less than feel, ideal uh yeah it's yeah weird headaches uh not something mm. i normally deal with so i just feel like i should say that for so when i'm oddly irritable about some random nonsense in my computer <laughs> later um, i have an out and it's not actually my fault no i'm actually yeah, no i i hear you on headaches i i um i'm lucky that i don't get them quite as often yeah. as i used to but um every now and then i will get one heck of a headache and it's debilitating and like after it, it stops hurting uh, it, it's uh, like exhausting so all you headache sufferers out there you know what i'm talking about we all have some uh understanding of alexander's situation but he's he's uh pushing forward because we want to make sure that we have this stellar content for you so he's going to soldier on um speaking of soldiering on let's get oh no no i have a bad joke we have to make uh i i feel like anytime someone says the word content the only thing that can come to mind is uh the bo burnham um inside sketch or bit it's like daddy made you some content open wide and uh (laughs) that image having to conjure that up with my feeble little mind tonight has instantly made any headache go away because it is scared of that thought so that's um. yeah i was i was gonna say <laughs> I, bo burnham is and i i believe this is going to reveal a little bit of my age he's like simultaneously for me like a genius and i don't get it i it's, <laughs> it's 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 very interesting i think that like from what i've seen of it it's very clever and very engaging and not for me. I, I don't it was like very clearly I am not his target audience, um, but kudos. I mean, it's he's, he's obviously very successful. Anyway, we don't need to do 10 minutes on on him, but uh, um, I, I yeah, I don't get it. Um, let's talk about just what's bouncing around in your head right now. I, a dangerous thing for us to do sometimes is to just randomly go inside our heads, but we'll, we'll limit it to the scope of baseball. What's the like random thing you're thinking about right now uh, about baseball. 
You know, um, I was listening to a podcast the other day uh, that is very much like kind of the opposite in terms of the things they talk about. Uh, it's uh, one of the more re- recent episodes of uh, the podcast Tipping Pitches, which is very much like vibes and like labor politics of baseball and they had someone uh pose a question for them it's just like who is like a cool and who is an uncool baseball player <laughs> and i don't think like that exact thought is the thing that's been rattling around but it's like very much like a you know like what makes all of this fun um and like how often does answering that question have like a single number attached to it even at all um yeah like right how right. often would you even try to answer that question by saying and, and like the the immediate first thing that comes to mind is like so and so hits a lot of home runs or steals a lot of bases and like yeah. those are like the only numbers that I could even think that I would even bring up. And you wouldn't look up his fun plus. <laughs> <God>. <laughs> yeah, I I think a lot of the the electric players are ones who certainly are performing um, and doing cool things. You know, bombs and steals are exciting, um, and the the quintessential like fun player comes to my mind is is Acuna and because he's good but he's also really entertaining while he's being good you know there's those that that energy and that enthusiasm which to be fair there are a lot of guys who are super good at baseball that may just like be more introverted <laughs> and it's not that they're they're not fun to have on your team they're just not the guys making the funny faces at the camera and we tend to notice the people making the funny faces at the camera but that's that's the kind of thing that usually comes to my mind is like it's energizing there's a there's a shirt that um uh, there's no plug here I, we're not getting any kickback but rotoware has a shirt it's like a an acuna but take on a nasa logo thing and every time i see it show up in my my inbox as like uh hey this is back in stock at it, like if I was a if I was a Braves fan, I would have three already probably. But it's it's a cool little logo, and he's a fun fun guy to to want to root for. Yeah, I I feel like the thing that kind of comes to mind here is like I, I don't know that like based off of my memories as a kid, and then like the last ten years are different. Um, that like Albert Pujols was like ever what I would remember as an outwardly fun player, but it had to be really fun to root for him. And yeah. like there are a lot of guys like that i feel like who are like you know they do the really impressive stuff and they're good and they do the things that are fun to watch uh shohei otani is really close to being in that category except for then he just like smiles a little bit and then we're good and yeah and, he, and then he does just do some interesting fun. things though from time to, like the the clip that was making the rounds uh he went out in between like a double header i think it was and was like, I'm going to learn a new pitch. I'm going to invent a new pitch, not learn. Invent, <laughs> I'm going to invent a new pitch. And he's throwing this like weird knuckleball looking thing out in the outfield just because he wanted to. Like, that's fun. I, I don't know. That's 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 he's a hard guy to root against in any way, shape or form. You know, you, if, if you're, uh, I guess, an Oakland A's fan, you don't want Shohei Otani to do well because it means the Angels are doing well. But I mean, uh, he's. He's the kind of guy that baseball needs uh, more yeah. of, and they need to do a better job of capitalizing on that, despite what uh, whatever that talking head said about how he can't possibly be the face of baseball, which is just a dumb thing. Yeah, I mean, like, he's kind of got, like, a little bit of that, like, cold-blooded killer a little bit when he's, like, on the diamond. And then, you know, like, yeah. he walks off, he's a different person to an extent. And that's, like, that is a kind of fun, right? And then you've got the guys like Acuna who like are fun the entire time, I think. And there's just a little mm-hmm. bit of a difference. I don't know. I, I think that's 
it's kind of like just like really tiny moments but like so are highlights sure and all of that is to say like i i think the other things that come to mind is like how are you going to be in a position to show off any sort of like joy or fun it's like got it got to be the people who are like making the highlight plays you don't get a whole lot of those in the outfield you definitely don't get as many of those if you're DHing. um i don't yeah. think that pitchers get to be fun in the same way i don't know how I, to there's, say there's that. a lot of those like case struts those are kind of fun yeah, um, yeah, yeah, that's kind of an interesting thing, but yeah, it, like, th- it's fair. But to your point about how you see that, I think a lot of baseball is consumed in in small bits right now. I, mm-hmm. I don't think that the, the majority of people are sitting down and watching a single game start to finish. I think most people are seeing the highlights on their phone, maybe watching a couple innings of their favorite team. Um, it's just it's 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 hard to um, build your evening around watching an entire game now. Uh, I mean, maybe it's just me and my stage of life, but the idea of being able to sit down at seven o'clock and stay up till 11 to watch an entire game. Um, I, I can't tell you the last time I was able to do something like that, but I get to see a lot of baseball and replays or I'll, I flip around from game to game and watch what I can. Um, and then, you know, obviously social media shares a lot of those fun moments, right? Cause that's what people want to see. That's what spreads. That's what winds up in your timeline. So those are the, the people that you see more are the people who are are engaging and, and doing fun things. So that yeah, makes a lot of sense. Yeah. I, as someone who grew up watching a lot of like reruns of sports center, if that makes sense, you know, like the 10 o'clock to 11 and then 11, 12 <laughs> yeah. o'clock hour, just being the same thing, like all of the fun baseball clips, other than just like absolute towering, disgustingly huge home runs are plays that shortstop shortstops make. So like it's, not surprising that like Javi Baez is a guy that we think of as a fun player. He's mm-hmm. in the position to do all of the fun things. And then on top of that, he does a bunch of extra stuff. Like we're going to notice all the cool things he does. Whereas like, I don't know, like a Mookie Betts, like laser beam from right field is rarer in opportunity, I guess. Now way, way more fun uh, than I think we uh, give it credit for. But like, yeah, so that's what's on my mind. Uh, the exact opposite of any of the like uh, analytics uh, metric yeah. stuff. Yeah, yeah well, that yeah. makes sense. We make a lot of time and space for for that. So uh, your random thoughts probably are going to be about that. My my random thought of the evening. This is uh, Wednesday that we're recording. Uh, is uh, Pavetta just? mowing down the Astros tonight. Um, <laughs> that was very surprising. Um, Red Sox revenge game. So I, I, I <laughs> the, the, I guess the random thought in my head about that is the AL East is bonkers right now. Um, the Yankees are unstoppable. The Red Sox are as bad as I thought they were going to be last year. Um, the Blue Jays haven't been as good as I thought they were going to be. It's just, it's, it's odd. It just seems like the beginning of this year has been bizarre world. Um, and I'm very interested to see whether that normalizes to a certain degree or whether this is just going to be one of those years. Um, if you are willing to partake in such nonsense, I've seen more than a few things about, uh, the strength of schedule so far, um, in that the Yankees have been able to play the bad teams like the Orioles mostly, and that the uh, Blue Jays haven't, like the Blue Jays haven't played the Orioles yet. I think, and yeah. like they get really get backloaded all of. Their well, and it's May. I mean, them. so much can happen just as easily yeah. as you can win fourteen in a row. You can lose fourteen in a row, and then those things happen. And the Yankees have been a streaky team historically, and um, you know, I, I I don't have much hope for my my Red Sox this year, and that's that's fine. Um, but mm, yeah, I kind um, of agree with you there. 
Well, and, and really they, they shouldn't have been good last year either. So, um, I'll take last year. That was fun. That was exciting kind of out of nowhere. And and now we're getting what we probably should have gotten. And who knows? Again, it's May. They could turn it around and be at least fun to watch. I just don't think they're going to be able to compete in that division. But yeah, anyway, we're, uh, we're not even at that. Like, oh, my God, the Nationals are so bad through 50 games from 2019 point of the season yet. Like we're still not quite two weeks away, but like about a week and change away when this comes out from those like 50 game marks will be like a, a quarter of the way through the season pretty soon. Um, yeah. Which means we can start to think about how the season's going almost like I'm like, yeah, it's happened. People have been good, but at this point, because we can't think about has a guy really been great so far, it has to come down to like, the intrusive what makes fun sort of <laughs> yeah yeah right right what else am i gonna think about like just stuff plus numbers like <laughs> <laughs> you could you could i mean there there were other things that are normal and stable and stuff right now there's actual conversation to be had i think we might even have some of it today if we're lucky uh we're, we're gonna try yeah yeah that's the goal um on that note, let's move into our numbers of the week segment and we're gonna do another little guessing game this shouldn't take too long um, and I think it's going to be a, a little bit of a fun thing and and maybe an opportunity for you to tease some stuff we're going to talk about next week in terms of pitchers and um, wonky stuff that's gone on there. But what I want to bring up for you, and, and I'm going to ask you to guess, this time I'm going to give you three guesses to try and, and get the number one person on this list. So hopefully we're going to, I'm trying to set you up for more for success here than, than I have in previous guessing games where I've basically assured your failure for our entertainment. Uh, I'm going to try and be nicer. Um, so as it stands right now, there are five guys with a, a FIP of under three. Um, I just picked FIP because I wanted to, it, there's nothing more significant than that. Um, but I, it will give you a chance to again, again, talk about what do these numbers mean? What goes into them, whether we can trust them, uh, understanding what a metric is actually measuring is an important part of, of understanding how relevant it is. So uh, five guys right now with uh, under a three FIP, and I'm going to, I'm going to give you a little bit of a uh, hint is not the right word. <laughs> um, what's the word I'm looking for a clue. That's, that's still, that's, that's just another word for hint, but I'm going to give you some additional information. There's the, the leader is under one. The leader is under okay. one, and I'm going to give you a chance to try and guess that player, and I'm going to give you three chances to get the right the right guy. I agree that that's not really a hint, but it is like a, yeah. hey, this guy's way off the charts, and so I should be looking for someone who's been way off the charts. My yeah, because there's thought, only five under three, but this guy's under one, so yeah, it is no, significant. My first yeah. thought is jumping right to it. Uh, it's Kevin Gossman. Yeah, you got it on the first try. I feel yeah, I feel so happy I haven't for you looked it up, because but like... I usually, like I said, I usually set you up for failure. So I'm, I'm very happy that we got there really, really fast. This but is one where it makes a lot of sense. I will say. So. Yeah. So let me, let me just go through the top five guys um, and their numbers. And then I do want you to kind of talk about like, is this fun with numbers that don't matter? Or is this something that we can look at? Um, we certainly aren't really looking, as we talked about before, at like expected stats right now, right? Because there's some wonkiness there. And we'll talk about that a little later on. More with hitters, maybe, than with pitchers. Uh, anyway, I digress. Number five is Dylan Cease. Uh, his FIP right now is 
2.14. Oh, you know what? Something's going on here. There's a lot more guys than I had originally found. Maybe I clicked something, but anyway, I'm just going to give you the top five. Um, Dylan Cease, 2.14. Pablo Lopez, 2.11. Tariq Skubal. Am I saying that right? I always feel like I'm saying it wrong. I'm sorry, Tariq. 2.07. Carlos Rodan, 1.61. And Kevin Gossman's at 0.82. So 0.82. Let's talk about him. Let's talk about Gossman. He's the number one. What does that mean? It doesn't matter. And does it translate to other pitchers that we're trying to understand at this point in the season? So um, we're recording on Wednesday. We've said this for like a bajillion times. And I should note that the numbers that we're looking at here are good through Tuesday, which matters because Gossman is pitching tonight and gave up his first home run of the season against the Mariners to Cal Riley tonight. Uh, and that itself, like that coming across my uh, timeline earlier today, was the number one thing that had me thinking that it has to be him. Yeah. The other thing that like really made it kind of like obvious to me that it would be him if I had to make someone be the obvious guy was that he went some ungodly stretch without giving up a walk. There were three. No, that's not fully true. There are four inputs to FIP. There are like the number of batters that you have faced, the number of strikeouts you have, the number of walks you have, and the number of home runs you have allowed. If those are the only three points of information that you have, Gossman has been striking out a lot of people and has given up like two combined walks and home runs uh, through Tuesday, not including tonight. So yeah, he's going to look really good. Um, Mm -hmm. I don't know if it's exactly two, but he's like 0.4 walks per nine and zero home runs from nine. I'm I'm just guessing that's two. It's probably wrong. Um, I can't. So what would, what would then be the jump? Like how, how susceptible to, to significant fluctuation is this number. So I, I want to say that in Gossman's case, like I think you can believe that he's going to be really good this year. (laughs) Like I'm not going to say a whole lot aggressively more than that, but like think about the things that, you know, have to be true. If you're doing those things. Well, like he's had essentially a 30 something percent strikeout rate over the past three years. We believe he's going to continue to strike people out. He was, above average in the good way you know i guess his walk rate was below the mlb average it's currently at like 1.1 percent yeah it's probably not going to continue to be one percent but if it's like under five rest of season like the only other real ingredient is like how much people are going to tee off on him and his stuff has been extremely hard to square up he's done a pretty okay job all told at like limiting hard contact limiting barrels so far this year he's looking at uh what's that i guess four barrels uh through 100 per 100 batters uh he's given up seven barrels this season now because of the dead ball that's led to very few home runs and i will say that's actually part of the conversation on fip versus xfip versus xera versus sierra or whatever else that we kind of have to build in and i want to talk about with regard to xfip here which is something that i kind of would be interested in peeking at for a couple of these guys in like normal circumstances so like fip takes your home runs xfip is like hey what if we just assumed an average home run per fly ball rate which i don't really buy into but like it's not a terrible assumption to try to guess how good you should have been 
and like take a, a decent ish look into the future. XFIP is usually a little bit better than FIP at predicting the future. And like, yeah, like everybody at the top of the FIP leaderboard that you pointed out has like a minuscule home run to fly ball rate. They've got like a minuscule home run allowed rate in general, but like the balls aren't clearing the fences. So like, yeah, there is definitely a little bit of like, you can't regress it to whatever number they're probably regressing it to. Like, so my guess is if Gossman is doing all of the things that we'd want him to do and the ball doesn't leave the yard, like he's going to sustain a great FIP number. And he's also going to be good in general. Uh, there are a couple other guys in this list that like, I'm not a thousand percent sure everything's going to hold in exactly the same way. I went ahead and because it's no longer cheating, pulled the top of yeah, the list. Let me and- clarify here. I don't know what I was doing. There are 17 guys that are under three in their FIP right now. I don't know how I messed that up, but the top five that I gave you are the correct top five. I just don't know why I somehow thought they were the only five that so that's a correction <laughs> on my part. I don't know what I did. I, I yeah, apologize. I'm sure I'm sure I could find a different ending pitched like uh bar to clear there uh, to make like, me right. <laughs> yeah, we'll see. Um, but yeah, I mean, like the top five you've pulled, like I'm intrigued. I will put it that way. To well, see th- this list is things hold up for Martin Perez, who's uh, by the way, right. sixth on the list. Like, um. Yeah. yeah, right. Exactly. Uh, people, though, like Nestor Cor- uh, Cortez, um, that's interesting to me. Max Freed, um, Logan Gilbert, like the, it, mm-hmm. it does seem to be like a list of people that if you were just going to say, I'm going to give you the top 17 in a pitching category, that's not like a closer, like save. that's not saves. Right. It seems like a lot of these names based on what they've done belong here so it doesn't seem like it's completely out of line i guess what what we're what we're talking about here is that is this more descriptive of what's happened rather than predictive of what's moving forward and i think that's that's really the important thing right yeah absolutely i mean like if you scroll enough like it feels like we're looking at people who are good uh right right there are some people who are a little bit out of place on some of these sure absolutely and a lot of that will just be like the huge weight that the number of home runs you've given up has on your outcomes. Uh, for example, in the top 17, again, through Tuesday, because I know that a couple of guys have been on this list, only Corbin Burns and Shane McClanahan have a home run per nine above one. You have to be mm-hmm. Corbin Burns or Shane McClanahan to have a FIP under three and be giving up more than a home run per nine. Like that's, that's about right. So a lot of these guys will regress above that and we will predict them to be three, two, five to three, seven, five pitchers rest of the season, or maybe worse than that for a couple of these guys. Like I'm I'm not fully buying a couple of the people here. Sure. Like who? Name some names. We're not going to, Oh yeah, yeah, we might as well. Right. Because I think it's, it's, it's informative. Like it's, um, it helps us to understand the concept. Yeah, I, I feel like uh, if I had to pick a name here, uh, Miles Michaelis is yep. not a guy that I expect this to carry in the same way. Um, like, okay, so part of that is he just doesn't strike anybody out, and I tend to not believe that things are sticky if you're not striking anybody out. The walks have been really low, and the the balls haven't left the yard for him. Now, he plays in St. Louis, and St. Louis is a great place to be if you're trying to keep the ball in the yard. Like, the only people who can hit home runs there are people who are like, freak specialists in pulling the ball down the line and that's what goldschmidt <laughs> and arenado are um yeah like 
that's going to help him out. And, and also like the NL Central is like pretty friendly right. for you as well. But I just don't believe that if you're striking people out at the rate that he's striking people out at, and let me pull this just for my own, um, for my own edification. Uh, he's got an 18.7% strikeout rate so far this year. Yeesh. Um, <laughs> his came out as BB is at 14%, which is like pretty okay because he's not walking a lot of people other, but like still, I, yeah, pass. I, I, I believe sure, yeah. other skills I don't think will a lot regress. of people are running to the waiver wire because his FIP is, you know, top 20 right now. Um, right, right, right. I just think that these are good intellectual exercises for us to go. First of all, they're, it's kind of fun to make you guess stuff, but <laughs> the, uh, <laughs> it is, it is, I, I think, informative to go through the process because that's, that's to make meaning of the numbers is kind of what we're trying to do here. Uh, and that's yeah. what people at home are trying to do. I, I think that it's way more fun to figure out why the numbers are wrong. Uh, as an intellectual yeah. exercise than it is to like just gawk at them and or predict who's got the, the good ones uh because one they're gonna be misleading in some way or another and figuring out that information i feel like puts you on that part of the curve where it's like you can trust them because you know their limits rather than putting yeah. way too much faith and then like feeling when you got burnt like you got burned when you like really didn't so right yeah, right right we, yeah, we know what sense. fib is it's imperfect and pretty fun and kind of like a good basis of how good your performance has been for your team more than anything else. Um, okay. So. Yeah, that makes sense. That's fair. Um, all right. I, I want to talk about in, in terms of, of kind of furthering this discussion, how to use fan graphs and the projection systems that a lot of people use uh, preseason to make decisions about um, like who you want to target, maybe trade value, um, uh, and how we can use those and why we might be getting vastly different results from different systems. But before we get to that, we are going to take a very small break. Hey, Alex Fast here, and thanks for listening to this podcast on the Pitcher List Podcast Network. If you're a fan, consider supporting all of us by getting a PL Plus subscription, where you're going to get an ad-free website and get access to our Discord, where you can talk to all of our podcast hosts and staff. Plus, you can hang out with our incredible Pitcher List community. It's basically a baseball sanctuary year-round for as low as $8 a month. You can sign up at PitcherList.com backslash plus, and you're going to get your first month free with promo code podcast also don't forget to check out everything else we do as well from youtube videos live streams newsletters off-season articles tiktoks breakdowns over 15 baseball podcasts on our network we can't stop talking about baseball even during the off-season so sign up for pl plus today at pitcherlist.com backslash plus and use promo code podcast to get your first month free all right thanks for listening let's get back to the show and we're back. So, Alexander, what I'm really looking at here comes from uh, an actual experience that I had in a home league. I was working with somebody on a, a trade, um, and uh, Byron Buxton and Carlos Correa were uh, at the center of the deal. Uh, certainly not one for one, but uh, and I was trying to get a handle on and also explain why my uh, point of view on on valuation. So I thought Fangraphs would be a good place to go uh, and use use kind of that system that I used at the beginning of the year to kind of get not only uh, dollar values, but also dollar values that were customized to our league settings, which I think is mm -hmm. a really powerful and important element. Um, and I wound up with these vastly different numbers. I'm actually going to go to the sheet that I wrote. I didn't write this down for our episode. This is what I was using to try and, and figure out what it is that I wanted to do. So in... Um, 
the uh, let's see ATC. I pl- I used ATC and it put Buxton as a twenty seven dollar player and Korea as a fourteen dollar player ish, closer to fifteen. Um, the bat, not the bat X, uh, had Buxton at twenty six point eight and Korea at twelve point two, and it felt to me like those were probably preseason numbers. I can um, verify and- ATC has to be because they haven't updated in season. Right. And so uh, I, I clicked the, the, the drop down and I looked at the options for ROS, um, the rest of season uh, projections. And, and there was really only the bat and steamer in terms of be, trying to be consistent with what I'd used preseason. Right? Mm-hmm. I, I used those preseason. I think that there might be a zips in there, but I didn't use that before. Um, and so uh, between uh, the bat rest of season and steamer rest of season, there was one of them had them at about equal at about $10 each. And another had Buxton at a $30 player and created a, a less than a $4 player. So here, th- that's the premise. N- nobody at, at home cares about what happened with my trade. I, I get it. That's fine. What I'm doing is kind of setting up the premise for the proof of concept of how do we use this in a meaningful way? Why would systems spit out numbers that are so vastly different um, and does that mean that we can or cannot use these to try and, and do things like value players when we're making trades? Um, how, how can we, how can we be smart about this without falling into a trap? So, um, Korea is a guy that I'm going to kind of like cordon off as someone who has surprised me this year and done some things I didn't expect. Um, and I feel like buxton probably has to fit in that category at all times period um as if a person playing, who, right <laughs> not, not just well you know you bring up that um so i, I pulled up both buxton and correa's uh, pages and they're both on the same team right now which doesn't fit in my mind because correa is not a twin yeah. in my mind until he is i guess <laughs> um but yeah they're both teammates who have both missed some time from injury this year and who are both projected to play roughly a hundred games rest of season when you brought up this comparison, my first thought was like, oh, I bet one of these systems is broken on playing time. That's so, what I was thinking is that like maybe Byron Buxton's injury uh, projections had not been prorated for the rest of the season. And since he hasn't really missed that much time in his world anyway, that it was all kind of being squished into into the rest of the season. And they were expecting that, you know, he wouldn't play. But if you're saying he's projected for 100 games, that can't be it, right? Well, that means he's projected to miss about 20 more games this season from rest, from injury, you know, roughly in that bucket. Same thing for Vera. I think those both sound reasonable, by the way. Um, and depending on your league settings, uh, in terms of like how you make moves, um, if people are making choices based off these sorts of things, this is the sort of tool where I feel like just hit that experimental button. However, in this case, that won't explain their differences here. So I want to kind of cordon off that playing time thing as like, you know, we've we've talked about that a lot in past places, you know, like, sure, it's hard to project it. I think that these are about as reasonable as you get. By the way, uh, out of all of the rest of season systems, we have uh, steamer, we have bat, we have bat X, we have zips and we have fan graphs depth charts. Um, Zips is the one that will be way outlier on some weird stuff because it's willing to take some risks. It Mm -hmm. projects buxton for 72 games played rest of season i think that's bad i don't think that's accurate it feels <laughs> to me to like a good model 
Yeah, it, it feels to me like they projected him to miss, I don't know, let's say 35 games, right, at the beginning uh, of the year. 50 more games or whatever, 50 projecting games. him to miss this year. Right, and then he hasn't, normally at this point in the year, he's missed X percent of those already and hasn't. And so that total hasn't come down and it's just stayed the same. And it hasn't been adjusted for the fact that he's actually played healthy for him the Mm -hmm. the first quarter of the season that was my first inclination so uh, you bring up the bat x so let's let's maybe take a small aside and then and then bring bring this back to where we were how how do you feel about using the bat x for anything right now since it bakes in expected stats i i am generally fine with it um normally i'm trying to compare by the way right yeah it's broken in the same way for everyone right sure (laughs) um and like i'm i'm not like gonna panic about it i feel like it's also a case where like i want to know what it's doing uh but like it's been the most accurate and i think that assuming that like with a couple outlier players who i kind of know that what i'm getting anyway it's probably gonna be pretty accurate um so I actually want to kind of like spit out kind of like the general differences between some of these systems for for uh, Buxton and Kraya, just kind of like help paint a picture here. Uh, Kraya is, depending on who you ask, uh, the the Zips steamer crowd are projecting him for about like 18 more home runs rest of the season, 140s WRC plus, um, strikeout rate under 20%, walk rate of about 10%. Um, the strikeout and walk numbers are pretty much the same across the board. The difference is uh, the bat and the bat X, which actually look identical here, basically like small differences, but like pretty much identical um, have him like on a f- couple fewer games, like 40 fewer plate appearances and like 14 fewer home runs. I think that's projecting him to be a little bit worse. His WRC plus for them is instead of being in the one forties about like one thirty five ish, but like a little bit worse playing a little bit less and like it kind of just pushes it all down. So it's got like a kind of like a knock on effect of taking him in this case where I pulled it. So I have uh, so first. So I, by the way, when you just like open up the fan graphs auction calculator, the default settings are like NFBC 12 team, like two catcher, except like the yep. bench players are wrong, but that actually doesn't mess with their formula. So like if you just click it and then you change your projection to whatever, whatever projection system, you're looking at what we would be looking at. Right. The bat X, which again, be about the same for the bat, has him as, and I got to find Just clarify for a second. On. Which player are we talking about? Just Correa. It's easy to, Correa, Correa. It's easy to lose yeah, track of him. We, Correa. Yeah, we overuse the uh, the pronoun. So we're looking right now at, at, at Correa. Yeah. Project him for a, like $1.5 rest of season. Yeah. The 26th most valuable shortstop. I think that's a bunch of playing time stuff. But like, if you look ahead of him, a lot of people are only projected for maybe at, 50 more played appearances than him max and then once you get up to like 16 or so where they've got Simeon he's like 100 more played appearances uh, so a little bit of his is injury I will say dropping him down the volume but a lot of it is just like they don't think he's going to be that that great um, whereas if you swap things over to steamer right which I think I generally like to look at steamer rest of season and it, it's interest, interesting at least they think he's like totally fine and going to be, what is it? The, the 12th most valuable shortstop rest of season, uh, putting him actually roughly around Polanco and Semyon, you know, like 
kind of in that top hundreds range still. So I'm curious about look at the different things that could be going into why they're shaped the way they are. And I'd like to offer up some hypotheticals here that I think could be it to a degree. Um, it would not surprise me first and foremost, if the bat and the bat X, but especially the bat X are a little bit more reactive to in season data because they're using stuff that stabilizes faster. And so should believe that they can make adjustments faster. That would be the reason why Correa's value would drop for them. And on the flip side, increase for Buxton, who's, by the way, sitting at like a 190 WRC plus right now. The bat and bat X both project him for like a 170 or so rest of season WRC plus. They're projecting him for 32 home runs rest of season in uh, in the bat. That would be a... a that's, that? that's a very that would, high number. <laughs> that would be a 43 home run season. In yeah. 125 games. Right. That is what they yeah, are projecting I, him for. I, I think I think that number is a, a reasonable number for if he plays 150, 155 games. 125 games, that's that's an awfully, awfully high projection. But I should note, in 25 games, he has 11. If he plays, yeah. uh, what, that but four more times at 30 home runs does not seem crazy to me. No, um, it just doesn't seem like a, a sustainable pace, but yeah, you're right. It, that, that's what the math says right now. And that could be uh, uh, impacting that, that projection. I just, I, I found it to be very interesting that these systems were all over the place and not so much just to try and understand these two players, but to try and understand the reliability of this information for anybody looking up any player. So if you were going to go and try and figure out the value of player X right now, mm-hmm. what would let's let's workshop this. We can we, this is not planned. This is not in our rundown. Right. Let's let's what would you do? Where would you go? And if you got something that looked wonky, what would you what under the hood would you be really looking for to try and find the narrative to think something's broken here for right now for some reason or something's this seems to be kind of pointing at something legitimate? Okay, so I think that we have all of the tools on a place like Fangraphs to kind of just do the really quick stuff because it's all in place. So right. I'll be honest, that's where I would go. I've got some home-baked tools. I don't ever use them on the fly like this. They're almost all draft prep stuff. Like, if you're a subscriber to another place, by the way, I know that there are a lot of, like, subscription-based services. Let's see if my cat, like, bumps my microphone. Apologies if she yep. does. She just got If really you hear some purring, that's, yeah. Um, I know that there are some places that do some really interesting dynamic um, updates. Uh, there is. A, I'm going to withhold some information here about any uh, about fun new fun new news, but uh, yeah. um, <laughs> y'all will know on our feed on Friday what I'm tra- referring to here. But there are places out there that will give you that sort of information that kind of dynamically adjust in season along with the do- dollars adjusting when you look at players' pages and stuff like that. I think that's a cool right. idea that people should be trying to do. But like. Can you give me a top 100 player <laughs> that you're interested in so that we can truly do this in this like organic, I have a question sort of way? Okay, I you have want a me to that find I would the pick. player. Um, well, I, I would think, pick. Yeah, go. I think you should pick. You should go because you're going to be doing the digging. So you should be digging into something you're interested in. I think a guy that is probably a little bit confusing and that would yield some very different outcomes if I just had to guess, and I will guess, is Christian Yelch. Um, and I think that that's like a name that some people might be curious about. I'm curious about him. Like, is he back is a real question. And yeah. I would be, I would suspect that different projection systems are going to have some different thoughts on him. So I just pulled this page up and 
they're a little bit more in agreement than I thought they would be. But I actually kind of like that. So let's talk. Let's talk through it really quickly. Um, he has over the past three years. Oh my goodness! He currently has a 120 WRC plus, which is the best of his past three years. He's been sitting about mm-hmm. 110 for three years. So um, the steals this year are on a prorated basis, definitely up. The home runs are on a prorated basis, definitely up. But I think that a lot of systems weren't projecting him to be his last year self. Um, yeah, yeah, he's on pace for pretty much no matter where you look, 18 to 20 home runs over uh 500 to 475 ish games with about 10 to 13 steals uh the batting average will change pretty dramatically depending on whether or not you're using a Derek cardi product or not but that's the sort of guy where there's probably a little bit of wiggle and they're all just going to be reacting cardi's products like him better so bat x likes him most bat likes him a little bit better and then steamers like more down and i think that's very much just like a this system as best I can tell, I don't know how they change in season. Like as a weight, but I can I can probably pull up like eight more of these people and, and like workshop this hypothesis. They're probably buying this season stat and more quickly. So if you're seeing those differences, that's what it is. So if I wanted to put a dollar amount on him, yeah, I would do exactly what you had done earlier. I would go into Fangraphs auction calculator. I'd type in my league settings, and then I would look at I would click outfield right and like pull like where he is on the outfield list. And then, like, I would look at where that is and think, okay, these projection systems all are in kind of agreement. Maybe I could see him going up a couple places. Maybe I could see him going up down a couple places. But I have, because the confidence intervals seem kind of tight on who he's going to be the rest of the season, pretty good idea that he's going to be. And I'll go back to where we had been earlier for, uh, I have in front of me first steamer. They have him as outfielder. See how far I have to scroll. 21 for about 12 bucks. The 12 bucks doesn't mean as much as maybe him being right next to, I'll give the couple guys around him, Starling Marte, Wade Merrifield, Marcelo Zuna, Teoscar Hernandez, Tommy Edmond, Brian Reynolds, Nick Castellanos, and like kind of in like that band around him. So like, yeah, he's about what we thought he would be if he was himself. He's kind of been not fully himself, but like better. Right. And he has right. been a little bit better and things look up. So like, I think no matter what, no matter which projection system I click on, and I'm going to click on a couple of them just to see what happens here. We're going to get roughly the same sort of thing. So I'm going to click bat. Uh, and I'm going to assume he's going to be somewhere around twenties or like the 20th best outfielder. Uh, 13. Okay. But like $14, he's just a couple more bucks. Yeah, sure. Okay. But, but other people changed more if he jumped up a bunch of spots, right? Uh, he didn't change much in terms of the dollars, actually. And that's the thing I want to focus well, he, on. Well, I was saying he didn't, but other people around him must have for him to a move up people eight did. spots, right? Uh, but, but you say that he moved up six spots. He moved up $3, right? There sure. was a whole tight band of people being the difference okay, between so you're like saying that this system is 21. maybe clustering people a little bit more? Well, they both clustered a lot of people in that range. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's not a big difference. So the ranks don't mean yeah. necessarily as much as the tiering, which is why dollar values are good because it can show you where there's gaps or, or where things are a little bit more tightly banded. Exactly, exactly, yeah. Yeah, um, yeah wow. Just like, I have another name for you. I have cool. a name that Go I want it. you to look up because I, I feel like this might really show some discrepancies in because we had – Preseason expectations that I think are very different from the reality right now. That's Alec Bohm. 
Mm, um, that is I'm a very really good name. Very curious to see how these systems are handling him and whether or not somebody who is playing differently than expected, whether that's better or worse, is going to be more susceptible to these these wide variations, which doesn't really explain why, I guess, well, I guess it does a little bit for Correa because he's kind of been a little up and down. He's changed his scenery, so people might have had different ideas about what he was going to be able to do. But uh, right now, I'm really just talking to give you a chance to pull up Alec Bone. Oh, I think I've had, had him up for a second. Perfect. I, I think it's an excellent <laughs> case. And maybe I'm wrong, but I'm hopeful. Wow. Okay. So a little, I'm going to give him you his line, and I'm going to give you a couple of details about his line, and I'm going to say that I'm very surprised by this, actually. Um, he only has two home runs this year. Um, mm. He has two home runs. He's been, well, he's hit, he's batting second for that Phillies lineup. He's got like a total of 32 runs in RBI through yesterday over 126 PA. Uh, you multiply 32 by, I'm going to call it five. And what, that's like a hundred and let's, well, he's moved up in the order. So I, I would put him at like 170 rest of season. And mm-hmm. bet, like all these systems then have him roughly at about a hundred RBI and runs rest of season. I want to note that that's a huge difference. And that is absolutely why I wouldn't be trusting a single one of these numbers. Um, yeah, just strictly based on he's playing well. He's got like a 117 WRC plus. He is hitting that. He's hitting the ball extremely well. He's like top 20 in hard contact rate. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the, the walk rate hasn't been fantastic. So like there's questions for me about like, how this all sticks necessarily. But like he's consistently doing pretty good things. Um, and I definitely think he could maintain a pretty decent lineup spot in what should be a strong lineup. And the problem for him has just been the loft, but that's always been, but like still he's, well, that's what I was going to say. It's, yeah. It almost seems like he's been taking a slightly different approach. Um, I was actually going to go, maybe you have it in front of you. I was going to try and look at ground ball rate. Yeah. I'm going to pull um, that up as well. Um, because I think that's, but, but most importantly, I don't want to move off of him without looking at what different systems say, mm-hmm. because that's really, we're kind of looking at like, is this a, is this a, a tight formation on the different systems around Alec Bohm, or is there this wide variation? And what does that tell us about, how they're dealing with him being different than maybe expected going into the season. I'm going to start with the bat stuff. Having pulled up his Savant page, he's got a huge line drive rate right now, and he's got a career low fly ball rate. Actually. Now those fly balls and live drives together are good. Like the, the ground balls are technically down, but he hasn't really changed his like batted ball profile. He's just hitting the ball more, uh, which is good. Uh, like, if you cut your strikeout rate 10% from last year, like even if it's still the same ground ball rate, that's more fly balls. That's more things going well. Uh, mm-hmm. Yeah, he's actually, I could see him being a person who's like WRC plus could take down on just the merits of like fewer line drives, right? But like he still was a confusing guy in that regard. That's really interesting. Yeah, it's, about. It's, he is very, a very interesting <sighs> case uh, this wasn't so much about nailing down what right. alec bohm is going to be more about like how are the systems handling somebody who's complicated right and, and when you say that then i'm like okay there, there's a bunch of differently misleading or not misleading data on him right is his performance deserved or not and yet like basically everyone's all roughly the same within one or two runs in rbi they all got like the same stolen base projection roughly the same playing time and home run projection which i think the playing time's too low 
I think he's going to play more than that. And I had it pulled, and I wanted to make sure I could ignore it before I come back to it. I have uh, the bat rest of the season, which is totally representative. They have him as the 29th best uh, third base eligible player, a negative player in 12 team leagues. Like, do not Jeez. roster. Even with gigantic benches. They have Hunter Dozier, Brad Miller, uh, Heimer Condelario among the names yes, ahead of him. It doesn't jive. It doesn't seem to make sense. So Right, right. And that would tell me then, like, things have not reacted even to his just mostly better state of being. So in, in that right. case, like, I think part of that is, like, there haven't been that many home runs, so they're probably not adjusting, like, the big juicy fantasy stat thing that we would actually yeah. help them to produce. And the question of whether or not that should be true or not is is, is a good one. But, like, if you look at his projected uh, batting average, right, his... His strikeout rate's cut. They haven't projected that his strikeout rate will follow too far. They're projecting him for like 23% rest of season. And so that means he's all like a 260-ish hitter rest of season. He's batting 313. Again, I don't think it fully can keep up, but like wouldn't surprise me if career long, he's the sort of guy who's good hitting line drives, relatively speaking, and he could be a guy who bats 290. But like, yeah, that's conjecture. We don't know. Sure, right, He's making changes. Try and bake that stuff in. It's just, yeah, it's... I guess if we I'm go back to our central, I'm agreeing with you, right? <laughs> yeah, right, right, right. If we go back to the central question, is like, can we use this information? The answer, I guess, right now is only kind of, right? Right, right. I mean, yeah. I think the other piece of like thing that they are, or the other thing they were kind of relying on here is just like it's early. Things will sure. be different than they are right now. How much we can jump on a hot start? Now, I'm going to be jumping on a hot start that involves a strikeout rate dropping ten percent especially for a guy who was drafted in the top five of his like draft class and who is known for having good contact abilities. Like that's the sort of thing where I would be believing these things. I believe these things about Andrew Vaughn, who is even less major league time than him and dropped his strikeout rate 10% in the middle of the season last year. So like right. that is the one thing where I would be most perplexed if things aren't adapting, but like, how would they know that? Right. Sure. <laughs> I be no, I don't because I'm biased to think they should be. I'm not blaming the systems. I, I think this is this is a flaw of trying to use math to um, capture humanity. You're going to wind mm -hmm. up with these types of things in every system. And to your point before, too, they're not designed to be right at the edges, right? Like, mm -hmm. here's my analogy: uh, social studies teacher maps are distorted right they're they're mm -hmm. the most accurate in the center as you get to the edges and the fringes they're more and more distorted that's why greenland always looks like it's four times larger than it actually is because it's the edge um so the same thing sort of happens with these systems right they're just they're, they're trying to be right in the middle <laughs> and, and it, within a standard deviation or two right anything that's beyond that is going to kind of mess with the system because they're extreme inputs, uh, whether it's the top end or the bottom end. And maybe Bohm is just that because he's doing things so differently than he's done. And that's fine. But as a, a case study of why these things are coming out with such discrepancies, I think it does prove the point that you can look at these things to maybe get parameters. Definitely make sure you're looking at a couple of systems. Play around with the experimental checkbox to see if that makes a significant difference. Make sure your league settings are accurate. And then you're going to have to go back to those player pages and look at things like line drive rate, uh, ground ball rate, uh, maybe even launch angle, um, uh, 
uh, hard contact, those types of things to see if there's something different in the profile that would maybe explain what is going on. And then maybe you can believe more on the high end. If you're seeing much the same player with much better results, then then maybe the systems that are not as responsive to that new input are going to wind up being closer to reality and you're more on the low end. So I, it's, it's, there's no way that we're ever going to get a formula that spits out the right thing to do. You've got to manage your own team. But um, I, I think this is a little bit more complicated and complex to try and use than, than simply just going to these projection systems like you would preseason and have them spit out these numbers based on, on the projection themselves. And it's a little tidier preseason right i think also like it's it's important to know that like if a product like this that's supposed to be pretty straightforward and easy to use was telling you that you need to be selling off teoscar hernandez for a guy drafted like 250 like i don't think that they would be trusted um you're a hundred percent spot on with that maps comparison. I really like that. Um, you know, when I think about the sort of people where I believe that the changes are legit, that they have to be a bit better. And that we also have a ton of data on them. Like there aren't that many people that I'm like, this guy should have changed. Like I think about Gene Segura, who I think I've noted in some trivia and some tweets. Maybe we talked about it last week. I can't remember. Is like top five in hard contact rate. Gene Segura. Like that's shocking to me. <laughs> uh, I think, baseball perspectives right about him today we'll probably see some more pieces he's playing really well got a 140 wrc mm-hmm. plus six home runs so far he's projected for 11 rest of season and like three times or more pas like that's the sort of guy where if you're using these tools like they're gonna tell you he's not worth that much if you want to send to your team to your league mate that gene segura is not supposed to be that good the rest of the season to go snap him up like go for it mm-hmm. um, i would it's been redrafted. I absolutely like. <laughs> like it seems like the sorts of things that stabilize quickly in season are like going to show a different reality than maybe some of these projection systems are designed to. If you're like being a really bleeding edge, I want to trust it. And like to be clear, you have to just want to trust it a little bit to believe that someone who is 32 years old ha- is just like suddenly like one of the most consistent like creators of like hard hit con- like like he had talking a, amazing than year or two. Sort of stuff yeah yeah earlier on and then and then kind of turned back into a pumpkin and then suddenly yeah it, it's i don't know that that's what makes this fun right is that these sort right, of things right. just pop up and, and we've got to try and understand it um i want to move into an off the books segment because i think this is worth talking about and you as our resident former oriole fan former have we fully converted to the nationals oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I think okay. more importantly, I am fully converted to not the Orioles. Fully converted to not the Orioles. Okay, fair enough. <laughs> Alexander is a free agent fan. Uh, come I'm, scoop I'm him up. I'm a Nats fan, but I would right? say I am okay. more vigorously not an Orioles fan in the conversion process here. I understand. Um, okay, yeah. so now that we've nailed down the scale of fandom um, <laughs> for Alexander, I do want to bring up uh, the the changes that have happened at Camden Yards because – this is a thing and it's a significant thing. And we can, we've got 10, 15 minutes here where we can talk about it. Um, if there's that much to talk about, but we're going to do this by way of Aaron judge, who I always want to call Mike judge in my head. I don't know why the creator is of Mike Stanton cannot hit thing? bombs. What's that? Is it the Mike Stanton thing? I don't John know. Stanton I don't, Mike Stanton I, for a I, little he bit. was. I know. I don't know. I think maybe it's just a malfunction in my my brain. Uh, but Aaron Judge, um, 
quote was pretty upset after Camden Yards' new left field wall. He had two home runs and it cost him a third. And and he, this is a quote from Aaron Judge. It's a travesty, man. I'm pretty upset. It just looks like a create a park now, which begs two <laughs> questions. One, what's going on with this wall and is it significant? And two, what the heck is create a park? Is this a thing that I should know about and don't? I'm going to answer the second question first. Yeah, he's like talking about like, <laughs> I don't know, probably like a video game ish sort of outlook where you like you go in and you adjust the walls and like you do whatever you want. You know, it's like scale things back. So my team's better. Okay. Uh, I thought it, like this was create a park like trademark like TM right <laughs> like like it was Legos for making baseball stadiums I mean, or yeah, or something and, that, and that's kind of like the accusation right is they're just like kind of messing with things because they decided they wanted to like have a slightly different park right and I gotta yeah, say do we do we spend billions on a new on a new park or do we just create a crazy left field situation right and yeah yeah now yeah, it's, yeah, it's new for for a bargain price. <laughs> yeah i mean like there's been a good amount of writing about like how camden yards is kind of like the beginning of like the cozy park and like for better and for worse um things are kind of moving in some different directions i'm definitely in the y'all are cowards kind of camp on that diggers are good um (laughs) instead of complaining that your left field wall is the reason why you can't develop pitching maybe you should just like hire people who can like develop pitching like that's kind of how I feel about this towards the Orioles. And it's not they, like nobody's ever been a good pitcher in Camden Yards. Yeah. So even I, beyond that, it's not like the like teams haven't created good pitchers in poor ballparks. Like the Cincinnati yeah, Reds right. have developed plenty of good pitchers. Um right. in spite of themselves for other reasons. <laughs> so like that's not the problem. And that's like a whole separate conversation that is like nowhere near as absolutely shocking and horrific. Like Kevin Gossman, by the way, former like fourth overall pick by the Orioles, bad, bad for them. Now looks awesome. That whole transformation about how terrible they are, nowhere near as shocking as the results in that left field wall when you like add in the, the ball being dead. So a really fun thing that you can do in uh, StatCast search, uh, here we are talking about StatCast search stuff again, is uh, you can actually sort um, batted balls um, by their launch direction. And so what I did it is, you know, like, you can think of baseball diamond as like, you know, it's like a quarter of a circle, right? So I've like taken the left third of it using like their ability to split it off that way. And I'm using that as like an imperfect, but like good enough if we're being realistic proxy for uh, balls hit to left field. And I wanted to get just like a couple different ways of looking at it. So I went with the most basic Um, last year. Out of 2,962 batted balls hit to that, you know, like, side of the field. Yeah. Yeah. There were 99 home runs. This year, in roughly a quarter of a season, a little bit less, there have been three. (laughs) Three. There have been three. Uh, that's wow. enough that i can click on it and we can look at it i want to see who has the who has the honor of being part of that i, I guess i have to reload this page almost something must be off off because i can't even click on it properly um yeah i can't even get details for them for some reason huh um yeah it's horrifying i will pull that up later uh yeah like that's horrifying uh there's yeah. no other way around it well so i guess mission accomplished for what they were trying to do 
but why? Like, I, I just, I don't. Yeah. So I'm going to pull know. something else while I'm sitting here because I can. Right. Um, and I'm going like, to. That's affecting uh, your team significantly more than it is every other team because you play half your games there. Right. <laughs> yeah. Is well, it I mean, helping like, your pitchers more than it's hurting your hitters? I, I think that's a good question. I, oh man, I decided to just look for fairness sake to pull it for like the rest of the park. Um, yeah. There were 183 home runs to the rest of the park last year. There have been 22 home runs to that part. So multiply it roughly by four and a half and you get like 60% of the home runs uh, in the rest of the park. Um, so instead of it dropping <laughs> 97%. Yeah, so, so home runs are down in general, which is something we've been talking right, about right. anyway, right? Uh, early in the season, colder weather, way. dead ball. But but still, the, it's still... A, the explanation for the three versus the whatever that other number is not just that it's very clearly that the, the change has significantly impacted the ability to hit home runs to that part of the stadium. Yeah. Basically like one in 33 batted balls last year was a home run in Camden yards. Um, This year, if you're hitting it to straightaway center or right field, it's about 2% of batted balls. If you're hitting it into that one quarter, it's one in 200 is roughly what we're looking Yikes. at. Um, I would love to be able to pull that for all of the other teams, just kind of like see what it is and probably will later on when I've got some time. Um, but I think that's just a really good way of horrifying me putting it. Uh, yes, we deserve uh, Aaron Judge home runs. Uh, I think <laughs> like it's it's almost like they just saw like the, the Glaber Torres 2019 and they're like, we want to make sure that no one can ever hit that many home runs in our stadium again, including our own players. So um, yeah, I've actually want to take this in like a kind of interesting direction. Like I believe the humidor thing gets sorted out. I think we get back to what I would call like the 2017 ball in the long run, okay. like not the truly dead, but not truly juiced. I think like this is too far for most people and it's mm-hmm. been shocking and I wouldn't be, I wouldn't myself be shocked if things turn around a little bit. Well, they turned two dials down, right? They changed right. the ball and they played with the, the, the humidity of it. So to, to fix one should help find at least a somewhat right, of a balance. Right. I, I think that they can also play with the humidor settings. I, we've talked a little bit about how yeah. they, they set the humidor settings a little bit too aggressively. Right. I think right, they can change right. that in the long run um, pretty easily. And I think they probably do, but like all that separately, like I don't think that, fence is going to get moved back immediately by any executives in Baltimore. So if you're someone who rosters any right-handed Orioles prospects, are you selling right now? I don't know mm. that I am based off of that alone, but like like Jordan Westberg is a guy that I have um on a roster that I'm like excited about in real life and think will become a fine baseball player. I'm worried that he's not going to hit a single home run. <laughs> I yeah i mean that's they they actually have a pretty nice um farm system that's an excellent question i never even really thought a about lot of them are lefties a, a lot of their an big players like gunner henderson i think is a lefty i was um, just looking him up <laughs> because yeah, i yeah. have him adley's yeah, a switch hitter, lefty. So he's yeah. unaffected uh for the most part you know 70 percent of the time he is aiming for the right field uh porch yeah, yeah, yeah. which is a great place to sit and watch a game by the way I'm a Camden Yards fan still, despite these uh, changes. <laughs> um, yeah, like you can run down the list, but like Westberg is 
in particular a righty he's a shortstop prospect right most shortstops are righties it's it's as rare that you aren't um like third baseman maybe that lefty a little bit more but like not tremendously more so yeah like that's kobe mayo i think it's lefty as well let me look that one up that's like my other one i'm curious about because uh infielder you know kobe mayo that's i'm sure y'all live for this uh yeah he's another uh bats righty guy that i'd be a little bit concerned about but he's like a 70 grade raw power guy Uh, so maybe he gets a few out over that fence still yeah so that's that's the sort of thing where i'd be a a little bit worried Uh, well and and we also have the rest of the season to play out there like you said if if these are i think what would be interesting to see which we're not is how much um by how much some of these balls that have gotten close have missed would a a 10% shift in the humidity of the ball that added nine feet of the 15 that have been lost back suddenly that not that, that, that three home runs turns into 11. I I would note, right. It's not 15 feet that are gone in that wall. It is functionally 50 feet. Okay. Because of the height change and everything else. That's awful. Yeah. That's bad. Right. So, uh, as the season plays out, even if they make those humidor shifts or whatever the the case may be, we're going to get a full season's worth of data to be able to see like, what did they really do here? Um, did, so just, just for clarity's sake, did they move it in and make it higher? Yes. Yeah. It's like it, it, it basically, it's like the seats were soaked back. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So it's like, they just took a big knife and you know we're 10 rows deep the seats are higher up it's just like all right that's where the wall is now um so back and about. up so yeah what i i i think you're right i don't think that they're going to make this change back if for no other reason than to not acquiesce that they did something bad um what you may see is it creep lower right because they could they can i don't think they can do that easily though like, no, it's no, because like they'd have to change like the entire slope of like it's just like the in the middle of there. the night. Somebody sneak in and lower it a little bit so that a few more home runs go over without them having to say that they had to change it or adjust it. I, I, I think in, in terms of like if you're rostering prospects in a dynasty league, it's probably something to pay attention to. I don't think it necessarily kills value, although it might be something to to ask, you know, like what are what are Clegg and Cross doing with that? You know, is, is that mm-hmm. something that they're factoring into their ranks? Um, or even like Huth, you know, people who are doing that sort of evaluation. Um, and in three years, four years, when this is relevant, um, is there going to have been a change by that point? You know, maybe not for next season, but maybe there's some sort of middle ground. There's a middle ground with the ball. There's a middle ground with the fence. We wind up in a, a middle area that's tolerable. But right now, you're right. That's that. That's a significant impact and something to be on the radar. Um, uh, that really kind of brings us to the end of our rundown, Alexander, any, uh, any last minute random baseball thoughts or, or wrap ups that you want to throw in here? I, I will say it's weird that the Yankees have been part of two different, like complaining about park dimensions controversies so far in this young season. <laughs> I really want to know what the next one is going to be for them. Are they going to like complain about Coors Field somehow? That seems like it's too obvious, right? It's got to be something really particular and really stupid. But like out of division is my is my thing is my thing that I would suspect. Uh, are they going to complain about like? Do the Astros still have that hill? I don't think they do. No, right? they don't. Uh, they get rid of that. Yeah, I don't think that's what they complain about. That seems Houston. like the kind of thing though that like you know Judge will plop one on the, on a hill like that and be like, well, the fence should be in front of it. Um, 
It's a, yeah, it's, it's uh, all of this stuff. Listen, both teams are playing on the same field. We're talking about rostering players and dynasty. So that context is lifted, right? You want to know what your player is going to be able to do where it's relevant. But in terms of like winning and losing baseball games, everybody's on the same field at the same time doing, you know, like it's Aaron judge can be upset that it took a home run away from him. Sure. But in the same game, did it rob one of the Orioles as well? It may have, I don't know. I didn't see the game, but um, it's, it's all relative to, to the moment. Um, The reason we get riled up about these things is because it's taking away stats and counting stats from our, our fantasy matchups. You know, that's, Mm -hmm. that's a more significant impact to us than it is to the team on the field. You're all playing on the same field. Same thing at Yankee stadium. Look, the short porch is there for your team too. So I don't know. Take advantage of it. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's fair. Um, and of course that means that something stupid will happen. Mind you, I will say the first of those controversies, it was of the Rangers own doing. Um, yeah. So again, we got to find a new, another new way to talk about something stupid other than like who's good at baseball. Uh, imagine in a press conference, somebody not trying to find some random thing to blame a losing a game on like, Hey, we went out there. We did our best. They beat us. That's what happened. The dimensions had nothing to do with it. Uh, you know, they put a couple more balls in play than we did, whatever. Like just, I don't know. It it feels like we're, we've shifted to like, everything has to have a reason and an excuse. That's, that's outside the team or outside the purview of the manager or, or whatever. Just look, we went out there. We did what we were supposed to do. They executed a little bit better here and there. They won the game because of it. Like, Tomorrow we're going to go back out there and try try again. Like, what's wrong with that? I don't I don't understand. But I think Aaron Boone got too many participation trophies as a kid, and <laughs> I'll never yeah, forgive no, him yeah. for the 2003 ALCS. So, um, on that note, Alexander, that does bring us to the end of this episode. If you could remind the people where they could find us, well, they can find you on Twitter at the Corked Matt. I'm on Twitter at Chase underscore rate. And most importantly, you can find our podcast on Twitter at Dugout Study Hall, where you can send us some questions. Please be sure to subscribe to the Pitcherless podcast feed if you haven't done that already. Leave us a good review if you can be so kind. And if you're not already, please consider becoming a PL Plus member so that you can harass us on the PL Discord. And that's it for me. All right. Well, thanks for listening, everybody, and we'll catch you next time.